turn tonight once again in Ephesians 5. Going to again read the first 20 verses. We'll include verse 21, however. And this should be the last time in our series we'll read this section as we're nearing the end of it and begin a new section. But we'll read the first 21 verses of Ephesians 5. Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering, and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks." For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake, thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll just notice this too because it's connected, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now our text is going to be verses 18 through 20. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, There is one theme in these verses that we consider here tonight, and that theme is connected to and even arises from the context. It might not seem that way because the things that are mentioned here don't seem to quite go together. It talks about drinking drinking wine even to excess versus being filled with the Spirit. Then it talks about 
singing and singing psalms and hymns and different kinds of songs and then giving of thanks and then finally, even verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another. This would not be unusual if there were a series of exhortations in a passage that are good exhortations, things to remember, but aren't really connected. But these are indeed connected. And the evidence that they're connected is something similar to what the Apostle did in chapter 4, where he connects a series of exhortations by a participle ending in ing. So earlier in chapter 4, he talks about us walking worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called, and then calls us to do that, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, to do that with all lowliness and meekness and long-suffering, etc. And that was all connected here. It's even more so where we have an exhortation, be not drunk, and then he talks of be not drunk, speaking to yourselves, and singing, and making melody, and giving thanks, even submitting. That's the Holy Spirit's way of saying these things are all connected. Now what connects them is the main thought of giving thanks. Giving thanks. We might think the main thought is be not drunk with wine, because that's the one that doesn't have the ing ending. The others seem to modify that. But it's really giving thanks, much like earlier in chapter 4 when the Apostle made endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, the main exhortation. It's done once again in that this is the main exhortation, that what unites all these is the idea of giving thanks, is that this is the theme throughout this whole section about being followers of God as dear children and what it means to walk in love for God. And he even mentions the giving of thanks explicitly in the context. The passage, therefore, is united by that theme. And what we must see is what the Spirit is doing is mentioning various ways that the children of God give thanks various occasions, various things that are involved in that. And it should not surprise us, too, that he does that antithetically, even as this entire section is antithetical throughout. He has been making a distinction between how the children of darkness walk and the children of light walk. How those that belong to the kingdom of God walk versus those that are not giving thanks. Even giving thanks to God always is the theme. And we're going to consider that this evening along really the three main lines that are mentioned here. We're going to set aside verse 21. Mentally we can include that, but I'll treat that somewhat in our third point. But in the three things the Apostle mentions in drinking, in singing, and in fellowship. 
The Apostle Paul, beloved, is talking about giving thanks always. And he's talking about the giving of thanks, therefore, that belongs to our, what we would say, organic, everyday life. He's not talking, therefore, simply about the giving of thanks that occurs on a Sunday, let's say, and especially in corporate worship. He's not talking simply about giving thanks one day in seven for a couple of hours as we gather together. Now certainly that is a main and primary way and place that we give thanks, and we give thanks to God, but there's a reason he added that word, always. He is now looking at our life, our life together, certainly as a church. That's why he mentions this as happening together, speaking to yourselves. But he's talking about what we do together in the giving of thanks. To put it more plainly, this is the kind of thanksgiving that we do often informally. The kind of giving of thanks that we do in celebration of the various events in our lives or in the life of the church. The things that we do with one another as family and as believing friends. The celebrations that we might associate, for example, with baptisms or confessions of faith or weddings or graduation ceremonies or birthdays or reunions or special accomplishments or milestones in our life, a new job or retirement, vacations, whatever it might be, that kind of thanksgiving that we engage in often together as members of the church And he has something to say about that. That this is the case should be evident from the things he mentions. Certainly, we might think of a worship service as soon as he mentions singing in psalms. That immediately comes to mind, but at the same time, drinking is not a part of the everyday worship service. Never was and still is not. Drinking would be reserved for the Lord's Supper. So he's talking about these kinds of events that you know very well that we engage in as people. And what he's doing is drawing a distinction between two different and antithetical kinds of thanksgiving. One that ought to characterize our gatherings together to give thanks to God, and another that ought not because it characterizes the celebrations and the gatherings of the children of darkness. Notice what the distinction is not. Notice what the Apostle is not saying in this passage. His advice, his exhortation to us is not this, that as believing children of God, as those who are followers of God as dear children, those who love God, those whom He has redeemed in Jesus Christ, 
the only kind of celebrations, the only kind of thanksgiving that's appropriate is that which we engage in the corporate worship service, that which we do on a Sunday. And therefore, any other kind of gathering, even any other kind of gathering where wine is present, ought to be avoided. That we should not do. That's not the antithesis. That's not what he's saying. In fact, he encourages the giving of thanks. The main exhortation is, by all means, give thanks. By all means, give thanks always. And give thanks to God. And wine may be a part of that celebration. Singing ought to be a part of that celebration. So also ought to be submitting to one another, but we leave that aside for right now. The Apostle here is not setting forth an antithesis that there's two kinds of gatherings in the world, that which we call church and worship, and that's the only appropriate place, and what goes on in church is the only appropriate kind of thanksgiving and celebration of the people of God, Perhaps even that there ought not be any kind of celebration of birthdays and graduations and receiving a new job or retirement. Those things are all out of bounds because they're not spiritual. They have nothing to do with your spiritual life. Give thanks only in church. And then that's contrasted with the gatherings, the celebrations of the world, which... We know all too well what they look like. No, that's not it. In fact, what the Apostle is doing is condemning a rather common distinction that we often make in the church between our gatherings. Between the thanksgiving of worship and then what we might call a party. The former we associate with church. That's how to give thanks. That's the only way to give thanks. And then there's the party. The former, of course, is a celebration where we give thanks without drinking. We sing psalms, not even hymns. We sing from the Psalter. We listen to sermons. We submit to one another in the sense that we remind one another of God's mercy and kindness. And we show that to each other. And then there's another gathering, but it's really not a giving of thanks. It's simply for pleasure. It's simply for having fun. And this one is where the wine may flow freely, more or less. The music is anything but psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And where the music might boom so loudly that we are quickly in step with it, dancing, being silly, getting loud, losing ourself. And really, the only difference between them in our mind is that as Christians, we have the worship service, and then over here we have our other celebrations where there's just <clears throat> less booze than the world might drink, our Music might be a, a tad bit more sanctified, maybe not so loud or so raucous. 
We might not do anything illegal, but it really doesn't have anything to do with thanksgiving. Or perhaps if we're doing those things, we imagine to ourselves that it does. That's what the apostle does not want us to do, to make that contrast. He's teaching, really, that there should be no essential distinction in our celebration between the common or the sacred. Don't get me wrong, he's not saying now that however we do our liturgy, however we do our worship service, however we gather here, and whatever we do here is the only things that we may do when we gather together for everything else. Nor is he saying that because this is the way we can celebrate life organically, where the music is loud and the wine flows, that that's okay in our worship. That, that's, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, there ought to be no essential distinction from this perspective that all of it is the giving of thanks. That all of it needs to be examined from that perspective. That's the radical, sharp difference. The radical, sharp distinction begins with the purpose and the motive for the celebration. That even when it's about us, even when it's about our life, even when we're sharing it with others, and it specifically is connected to our life, perhaps a birthday, perhaps a promotion, it nevertheless is essentially a celebration of thanksgiving to God. You see, that's the difference. The parties and the celebration of the world have as their purpose self. They are a celebration of self. They are about one's own pleasure, one's enjoyment, the taking and the receiving of gifts for self. This is really where I believe the link to submission comes in. You see, that might not make sense to us why that would be there until you realize the distinction he's making, the antithesis that's being drawn. In the world's celebration, what they might even call thanksgiving, and what he's warning us about is where it's all about taking, taking into one's mouth, taking into one's ears, taking into one's body. It's all about me. It might go under the title of thanksgiving. It might be a, titled a celebration, but it's all about self. It's all about indulging oneself, lifting oneself up. And he's saying, but if it's a thanksgiving to God, it will involve submission, which is essentially the giving up of self for the service of others. All celebrations whatever we call them, all parties, all gatherings by members of the church ought to have at their heart and core and essence thanksgiving to God. Whether it's a wedding, whether it's a graduation, whether it's a reunion, a retirement party, or simply getting together as friends, 
Everything done there, from the music that's played, to the games that are indulged in, to the conversation, even the attitude that we have toward the others that are there, ought to be driven by the motive, ought to reflect, therefore, our thanksgiving and gratitude to God. Now we can get into the particulars. You see the radical sharp difference between these two kinds of celebrations, these two kinds of organic get-togethers and parties, is evidenced in the power and the force even at the beginning of the celebration and the gathering, which in the world is alcohol. The power, the motive, the drive, that which moves everything along is wine. The apostle knows what he's talking about. Things were no different in his day than they are in our day. How often is that not the case? The funnest parties, the celebrations that we would like to be at, those that get our attention, those that draw in the crowds, those that bring the people together have the wine flowing to excess. It's worth noting, sort of in passing, but not really, that this passage is proof that wine in Scripture is just not simply grape juice. That's an argument that's often given even in the church by those who would like to eliminate the use of wine in our homes and in our celebrations, who would see wine itself as a great evil, so evil that one ought not touch it. And if you appeal to Scripture, they will say, well, that wasn't wine, that was just grape juice. No strength to it. And then there's another argument that wants to justify the disobedience to our Lord Jesus Christ to serve wine in the Lord's Supper. That, they say, must be grape juice too. number of reasons are often given, often because it might be a temptation for those who because of their overindulgence in wine can no longer participate in wine. And they will point to Scripture again and say, see, but this passage blows those explanations to smithereens. Because the Apostle is talking about getting drunk, and you don't get drunk on grape juice. Notice the Apostle does not say, drink no wine. Make sure there's no wine at your celebrations. That true thanksgiving of God cannot be done with wine. No, he doesn't say that. Don't be drunk. Don't be drunk with wine to excess. Now excess, in two senses now. Don't misunderstand the apostle here. You may read it, excess, with regard to the wine itself. This is an admonition against excessive use of alcohol in thanksgiving to God, whether it's alone or in groups. Excess with regard to wine so that one drinks so that he's drunk, that is, loses control. 
loses inhibitions, does things that he otherwise would not. But then there's also the excess where one might not lose control of their faculties, might not fall to the ground, might not have their head spinning as it were, but cannot function as normally so that their job is in jeopardy or their marriage might be compromised. Don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess applies to both of those situations. But what the apostle especially has in mind is this. Drinking a quantity of wine that leads to excess in one's behavior. The main reference, even the word that's used here, is a particular word that refers to immorality. Doing things that are out of control, doing things that are against the commandments of God, doing things that lead to excess. Might be excess talking, excess behavior in any form whatsoever. That's what he's talking about. Things that go beyond either common decency and good order, as even the world would recognize, or God's order and God's laws. That explains why celebrations that may begin with small amounts of wine quickly lead to immorality, fornication, and all kinds of other violations of the law of God. What's moving that along, what's greasing the skids, as it were, is wine, excess of it, that leads to excess. Why is that? Why is it that alcohol and wine characterizes, even to excess, all the celebrations of the world and what the Apostle is so concerned about with regard to us? And the answer is, because behind that lies no reason for thanksgiving. Why is it that the wine flows, the spirits are poured at those kinds of celebrations? And the answer is, because those celebrations are actually about self. They're not about God. In fact, much of it is to forget God, to forget the judgments of God, to forget what God is doing in one's own life. It's to forget the sorrows, to forget the miseries that God even pours out against individuals and groups for their excess. And man's response to that is more and more alcohol. Because it's the opposite, really, of thanksgiving to God. You understand that's often the explanation for what we call alcoholism, right? The world would like to see it simply as a disease that you catch like the flu or a disease you get like cancer, perhaps a genetic disease that has nothing to do with you and your will and your mind. That's not true. That's not true. Almost always it's related to an utter lack of thanksgiving in someone's life. That rather than being thankful to God 
And not simply for food and drink like we considered this morning, but especially thankful to God for the forgiveness of sins. Thankful to God for the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Thankful to God for the very things that start out this passage. Being a child of God. Thankful to God for Jesus Christ who loved us and hath given himself for us an offering. You see, if someone doesn't have that, then alcohol is the best alternative from a worldly viewpoint, from a carnal viewpoint. It makes you forget those things. It turns yourself in a different direction. That's what the apostle is pointing out here. Show me celebrations where there is wine. Show me celebrations where especially there's wine in excess. Show me celebrations where you have to have it. And I'll show you no thanksgiving to God. On the other hand, where there is thanksgiving to God, where the purpose of the gathering, where the motive of the gathering is not self, but God, you will find the opposite. Notice again, not that you won't find any wine, but the people are filled with something else. They're filled with the Spirit. Now, notice the apostle here, he's really got a play of words on going on here. Notice he doesn't say, don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be drunk with the Spirit. That's not what he says. The idea is be filled with the Spirit. There's really no such thing with regard to the Spirit. One can't be drunk on the Spirit. One may take in the Spirit. One may use the Spirit. Besides that, the Spirit never leads to excess. Never leads to excess in one's life. Never leads to excess with regard to one's moral behavior. And the idea of the Apostle is that's not what you do when you get there, but it's why you get there. It's why you're there, because you've been filled with the Spirit. How do you do that? Where does one get filled with the Spirit? Where does one receive the Spirit? In such a manner that one doesn't need to have wine in excess. And the answer is in the first place, by attending church regularly and heeding the Word of God, receiving the Holy Gospel. In other words, what goes on here on Sunday. By regular devotions and prayer, one is filled with the Spirit. By making the Holy Spirit an essential part of everything, When you get together to celebrate, when you get together to give thanks to God, you begin it with prayer. You end it with prayer. When you're there, you invoke the name of God. You celebrate the name of God. You do it with God's people. It's very difficult to give thanks to God when you're having a party with everybody but God's people. Or with many who show by their excess use of alcohol that they're really not thankful to God. They may say they are, but they're really not. Otherwise, they wouldn't need the excess of alcohol, and it wouldn't lead to excess. You see the difference? This needs to be brought out, beloved, because we need to look at our celebrations. I may witness and testify that as a pastor, I've seen far too many people that have fooled themselves into thinking that they do not use wine in excess and it doesn't lead to excess. 
Every get-together, it has to be there. It has to be a part of it. They can't go on a boat ride. They can't sit around a campfire. They can't play cards, let alone celebrate a graduation or something else without wine. This isn't a matter of Christian liberty. This isn't a matter of saying now it has to be put away. It's a matter of, are you really thankful to God always? You see, if your life is characterized by thanksgiving, then you're filled with the Spirit. And if you're filled with the Spirit, then you will find you need little other spirits. And when you have them, they will not be in excess or to excess. That is what the Apostle is getting at here. The Apostle next brings up another aspect of celebration, which is singing. Singing at our gatherings. Singing in thanksgiving. And again, notice that he's noticing what goes on with other gatherings, other celebrations, other so-called thanksgivings. They involve singing. In fact, it's striking how prominent and essential this is to the parties and gatherings of the world. Not only are they characterized by alcohol and its excess and the immorality that flows from it, but the music. What is that? Coincidence? Accident? To just happen to be that the music they play happens to be popular, happens to be the stuff that you hear all the time and is on the radio? Anything but what the Apostle mentions here as music to be entertained by? And the answer is, well, it has to do with music. Music connects to the human soul. Music not only expresses what's in the human soul, it does. If the human soul is evil and wicked, then what comes out in the music will be evil and wicked. It will be sinful. If the soul is sad, the music will be sad. If the soul is happy, the music will be happy. And don't forget this, whatever the soul is happy or sad about will come out in the music. But don't forget too that music has the power to affect other souls with what others are feeling. It's a way to communicate. It's a way to share either in the common misery that people have in their souls or the things that make them happy. It's really an expression of the mothers and their gathering itself. In fact, you can quickly tell if the people at a party or celebration are children of the world or children of God, children of light or children by darkness by simply listening to the music. It's not hard at all. You say, well, what what kind of music? Have something to do with the beat? No, not really. Have something to do with the instruments that are played? No, not really. Has to do with the content. Has to do with the singing, just like the Apostle mentions here. You notice... The emphasis is upon the words. Notice the emphasis is not upon the tune. The emphasis is not upon the syncopation. It's not upon the beat. It's upon what's said, what's spoken in the music. And you will find that true in the world. So what do they sing about? Well, it shouldn't surprise us that it's got nothing to do with God. In fact, it's usually deliberately stripped of any thanksgiving of God. Any references to God... In fact, that's kind of amazing, actually. Perhaps you've noticed, as I I do, that 
But much of the music that's called religious music, much of the music that's called praise music and worship music, sounds awful lot like the world's music. You can hardly tell it apart as far as tune, as far as syncopation, as far as beat and all those things. I'm not commenting on that as such. But you'll notice something. Rarely is that music ever played at a gathering or social event, which would be one thing. It's played in church. And then it seems to stay at church there too. And then when the churchgoers get together, they pull out their 12 packs and their cases and their bottles of wine, and then the music changes. And it changes to music that's stripped of all references to God. What it's about, it's about man. It's about the accomplishment of man. It's about what man wants to do or doesn't do. It rejoices in the common misery of man or the sorrows of man. Common songs of complaint, anger, even blasphemy against God. What does it celebrate? It celebrates the excess. It doesn't warn the people against excess. It promotes the excess. It says this is the way. This is fun. This is happiness. This is joy. This is what life is all about. It even serves the purpose of excess. It deliberately glorifies man and intends to promote the types of behavior that are promoted by the Holy Spirit. It promotes the behavior that you find in verses 3 and following. Fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, filthiness, foolish talking, jesting, which are not convenient. And notice, notice when the Apostle mentioned all those things a while back, that he contrasted it all with one thing. Giving thanks. Beloved people of God, not just young people, all of us, you fool yourself when you think the gatherings where the wine is flowing and the music is loud and it's the music I'm describing is thanksgiving. It's anything but thanksgiving. The proof is in the pudding, they say. The music that the apostle promotes is music that promotes the thanksgiving of God, that promotes God, that speaks about God, that thinks on God. That's what he's talking about here. Notice that in this regard, he talks about three distinct but related acts. First, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Music is a, a speaking. That's the amazing thing about good songs. The world notices that. It notices that good songs speak too. They speak to my soul. They speak to my heart. They speak about how I really feel towards God. Well, how much more the songs that we ought to speak, they speak. We speak to one another. We share our life. We share our thanksgiving. Notice there. Also, singing. It is amazing. It is amazing in the wisdom of God. God gave us worship. And therefore, also celebrations that are not exclusively speaking, nor exclusively singing. We need both. In our homes, if we are fathers and mothers that only speak, there's something missing in our thanksgiving, we should be singing with one another, regularly singing. The same thing goes in church. 
His primary is the preaching as the chief means of grace. Don't ever forget that a good share of the worship service is that we stand together and we sing. Want to make your celebration something worthwhile, something that's actually beneficial, that speaks to the heart, where you go home and you say, that was a wonderful time. Put away the games for just a little bit. Stop the flow of food and wine for just a bit. And sing a number or two. The apostle here is speaking about any kinds of songs that are about God. The apostle here isn't simply talking about psalms or different kinds of psalms. He's doing justice to the reality of the Christian life that we sing psalms, that is, songs that have direct reference back to the so-called songbook of the Christian, but also hymns and spiritual songs, that is, songs that are derived from Scripture, songs that are quotes from Scripture, songs that promote the truth and the principles of Holy Scripture. And again, the principle and essential meaning of the Apostle here is clear. That if our celebrations, our parties, our get-togethers are truly thanksgiving, this will be a part of it. As much a part as we would like wine and alcohol to be a part. Wouldn't that be something, beloved? Think about all the times you get together at the park, in your backyard, in your living room, on your boat, in your motorhome, and there's a bottle of wine. Nothing wrong with that. Moderation that receives the Spirit's okay. But now think about all the times that's the only thing that was there. No speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing. And notice too, making melody. And return back to that. There's something about singing, and it's this. So powerful is music. It has the ability to impress upon your heart the truth or the lie. It not only expresses the truth or a lie, don't ever say to yourself, music is neutral. It doesn't really say anything. It doesn't really do anything. That's a lie. Everybody knows it. Even the world knows it. What do you think? It's such a big part of their life. But don't forget also that it has the way to impress stuff upon our hearts that speaking does not and even cannot. Start humming a tune from a Psalter number, and it's not very long before the words are flowing through your heart and through your mind. So notice that's an aspect of it too. Speaking, singing, and using melody. The great gift of God in music that He's given to place His Word in our heart and, and able to recall it. That's, that's why you find Paul and Silas in a prison beat to within an inch of their life, probably going to be executed in the next morning, and they're singing. They're thankful to God for the witness they can give. They have no idea what's about to happen. And they're singing because it brings to mind the Word of God. It's a comfort to them. But more than that, it truly is thanksgiving. He's talking about the forms of songs that speak the truth about God. 
where the music serves to promote the message. I don't know if you ever noticed that before. But you can't sing about God and His goodness. You can't even really sing about the subject of the Christian life, if you're going to be honest about it, to the tunes and music that you find at the celebrations of the world. Quite something. This is coming from someone who loves music very, very much. But music has the power to draw us away from God. But it also has the power to promote, to promote God, to be a form of thanksgiving. Finally, we consider the last point the Apostle makes, that we give thanks always to God in fellowship. should be pretty obvious, I think even obvious to the casual reader, that the Apostle is talking about fellowship here. He's not really talking about the individual. Throughout, he's been talking about the church. He's been talking to the church. He's talking about how the church behaves, not simply in their individual personal life, but as a church. And here, too, he's doing that. You see, it's not simply that we gather together as a church to give thanks to God as such, but it's amazing how when there's giving of thanks to God to be done, there's a desire to do it together. Again, contrast this with how the world looks at things. Parents, be aware. When your young people and young adults want to go somewhere to a party, want to go to a gathering, and it's about themselves, it's going to be so much fun. That may be, but that's already off track. They want to be with their friends. That's good and great. Something almost, we say, natural about that. But notice the Apostle puts his own unique stamp. The Holy Spirit puts his own unique stamp even on that. Yes, when we give thanks, we do it together. We do it corporately, whether it's in church or in someone's backyard. It's the way God made us. It's the way God calls us together as a church. That ought not be surprising but it ought to be there too, entirely different than all the unbelieving, ungodly people who couldn't care a hoot about God, who regularly violate His law, who think nothing of their fornication and drunkenness. Their gatherings are all about self. Self-indulgence, self-service, self-promotion, sometimes even self-harm, self-injury, about the humiliation of others. They're about fornication. They're about fighting. When the people of God get together, it's not about self. It's about serving one another. It's about submitting to one another. It's about deferring to one another. It's about putting one another in the highest seats while we recede into the background. It's where we sing in harmony and chorus, not solo. It's where we honor one another. Why? Because we're children of God. We're children of the King, and we're thanking God. And you cannot thank God and be thanking yourself and promoting yourself at the same time. That, beloved, is what it means to thank God always. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, O Lord, 
Move us to give thanks always for all things unto Thee, our God, to do it in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to be filled with a spirit that is thankful for Him, for His redemption, for His name, for His glory and His honor that seeks that and does that in all of our life, so that our life is not divided into thanksgiving at church and then everything else. Oh Lord, keep us, keep us from that ungodliness and that wickedness, which is only self-promotion. We pray truly that thy name may be glorified, that thy name be praised, that we be thankful even in our celebrations and gatherings together. In Jesus' name, amen.